episode is sponsored by award-winning book, Spirit of the Woods, the story of a young woman's encounter with Bigfoot by James Allen Ross. Hey, boo things. It's your girl, Rebecca. And Lily. And you're listening to Just Ghouly Things. (laughs) Hey, boo things. And thank you again for dealing with us after two weeks of not being on the air. But we're back, boo bitches. That is my fault. That is 100% Baldessari. That's the Baldessari promise. Things will get fucked up if if I'm involved. Lily, you got to update us because we've had a lot going on these past couple of weeks and a, we, we just need to be filled in on your life because that's why people listen to us. It's no longer a paranormal podcast. It's a Lily Baldessari podcast and we're just living for it. Okay. So I guess I'll start with, well, I went to Iowa. I did some job training and that was on, I did, ooh, actually, Rebecca, I didn't tell you this. I almost got into a fight at a Perkins. <gasps> Do you explain? So these kids, these like, sh- you know, shitty, like 17 year old kids, like farmers sons in the middle of Iowa were like laughing at my family. And I don't remember why, but they were just like looking at us and snickering. But I have just gotten off of two flights. My knee is killing me because of the change in cabin air pressure. I've been traveling all fucking day, right? Mm-hmm. So I have my cane on me. So we eat our dinner, we catch up. My brother's there. I haven't seen him in, I think, over two years. So it was nice for us all just to be together. We get up to walk out and I was like, I'm going to hang back. I'll be right there. Just let me walk out with my cane. And I go over to this booth of these two just like bull, like bullshit. Like, I don't want to say hillbillies because they're not hillbillies. Like they, you know, like, but I guess just like, they're just shitty. Like they're shitty they're kids and like little twats. Yeah, yeah, just like these garbage twat, 17-year-old nothing kids who were just snickering at me and my family, clearly. Like, it wasn't like there was someone, like, at a table near us who they knew, and they were like, oh, is that Beth? Ha ha. Like, it was us. So I go over with my cane in my fist, and I see that one of these guys, because this is Iowa, and you can just carry weapons. Like, I saw a guy at a burger place with a gun in his pocket, just because. Literally. And then he leaned to get into his car. He had a puppy in his hands. And I was like, that's a cute puppy. And then he leaned into his car to put it down. And there was a gun in his pocket. And I was like, that's a weird, you know, combination of things to hold. (laughs) So this kid, this is my first night there. And I go up with my cane in my fist. And I look this kid dead in the eyes. And I just said, I'm sorry, was there something humorous to you about my 94-year-old grandfather who I haven't seen in two years? And they just look at me. And I look at the knife on his waistband and I was like, because I want to know. And my mom was like, Lily, come on. <laughs> and he was like, oh no, he, um, he, he swallowed his water wrong and like it came out through his nose and it was funny. And I just went, okay, good to know. And I walked out, but I was like armed and ready. Um, and then the rest of the week was quiet. I came back to pick up Faith from my uncle's house and it turns out Our beloved character, Bagel Boy, is back in the picture because I have now found him on Bumble. (gasps) And do tell us more about that. Is there any any, um, additional information you can give to our listeners at this time? So at the moment, um, there's nothing else I can say. Just that, um, you know, he's there. And nothing has happened yet. Emphasis on yet, because like my mind has been put to work now. At first I was like, that's not. And then I saw the name and I was like, maybe. And then I looked through the pictures and I was like, well, he's not in his car. Like it's, you know, it's a gamble. So I was like, I, you know, I'm like 99% sure it was him. Cause just, it all looked like him. So we'll see what happens with that. Stay tuned. And, uh, yeah, and then uh, two days later, I had a, um, I've been having, I had um, pseudo seizures, so I was in the hospital. So that's why you guys didn't get a new episode last week. So you guys, I, I cannot explain to you Lily and I's text conversation. <laughs> I mean, I really, I genuinely wish I could explain to you the fuckery that goes on between our conversations, but somehow. We were talking 
And it came to the conversation. Oh, she, so it's 7.30 in the morning on a Friday, may I add. <laughs> Lily and 7.30 a.m. just already are a red flag for me when I receive a message from her. So in all caps, I'm reading this at work, may I add. It goes, SOS, Rebecca. I'm in the hospital. Parentheses, I'm fine. And the parentheses. <laughs> the problem is they just did shift change and my nurse is cute. So priorities, right? We got to make sure that even though we're having seizures, we don't know why they're being triggered. Our nurse is cute and we don't know what to do with it. Okay. So, um, that was alarming. So I had to stay, I had to be the adult here and say, excuse me, I think you missed a couple of chapters in that story. Please explain more. And then she goes, oh, you remember those face twitches I told you about? At least I think I did. Which, of course, I responded, uh, no. <laughs> she goes, oh, here. And then proceeds to send me a Snapchat video um, because I don't have Snapchat. She sent it to my, my messages of her face completely being contorted into random bunny nose looking twitches. And it was just very weird. And it was a mix of laughter and her also alarmingly calling out for her mother. Yeah, there were the the first few Snapchats I'm laughing. And then after that, I'm just documenting in case I didn't make it. Yes. So there was definitely um, character development in that one video she sent me. (laughs) And then it proceeded with another video of this upside down cross looking thing on Lily's forehead where they were doing like brain scans on her, um, where she proceeds to say they're running tests now. Now, um, Lily, if you don't mind, I'm going to add the part of your father coming in and being a great wingman in this hospital situation. Oh, God. So she continues by explaining where she was staying. And then she goes in all caps, and I'm not allowed to use the bathroom because I'm a fall risk, which means bedpan. (laughs) And need I remind you, and need I remind you, cute nurse. So I go, no, when she responds, absolutely. And my dad just flagged the nurse down and said, loudly, may I add, she's got a whole bucket full over here. (laughs) Which, you guys, as if you didn't... (laughs) Which, if you honestly didn't think that was mortifying enough... Let me finish with the follow-up line in which Mike Baldessari says, yeah, that's full again. I'm telling her to stay hydrated. (laughs) So if you guys really wanted to know why we were not recording the last couple weeks, I hope that these message receipts do you justice. And I hope you truly believe us. Have you ever, Rebecca, looked a nice kind of, Midwestern Southern man in the eyes and wanted to, you know, maybe say something charming, but instead you have to ask him, when's the next time you're allowed to use an actual toilet? (laughs) Because I have. (laughs) I really, I I would look at him and be like, you know, sir, when can I use a real bathroom? And then, like, my dad got mad because they were short-staffed in the emergency department. So they had to, like, consolidate, like, patients to nurses. So we got overloaded. And then the nurse, like, I needed my nurse for something. So my dad, being the discreet and calm man he is, takes, the, like, there's no, there's no rooms in the ER for the most part, unless you're, I think, in the pediatric ward. It's just curtains. My dad goes, whoosh, like fucking Batman capes the curtain out of the hallway. Goes, uh, excuse me, uh, nurse, could you come here for a second? Can you come here? The nurse comes and he goes, oh, by the way, watch your step. That's, uh, that's pretty full. <laughs> Mike gives zero fucks and I'm here. Rebecca, I didn't want to live that day. <laughs> I was totally fine. So yeah, um. That's where we're at with my health right now, guys. I'm still uh, fighting the good fight. I do have a collection of medical hospital bracelets um, right by my side. Uh, you know, follow my Etsy store. <laughs> Maybe I'll auction them off. 
So yeah, that's why we haven't been recording because Rebecca's got this beautiful, amazing wedding to plan, and I'm not, and I'm bedridden, (laughs) just pissing in buckets. So (laughs) he was like, he he looked at me. He was like, I was in my Iowa State shirt, and he like came over and he was like, "Oh, did you go to Iowa State? My sister did." And I was like, "No, my parents did. I just wear the shirts." He was like, "Oh." well, it's beautiful out there. There's not a lot to do. And I was like, I know. And then here comes my dad. Like, yeah, uh, by the way, you have a room or something? Cause uh, she's going to have to have a toilet at some point. Just like, Get out of here. But like when your daughter's having seizures, you're not going to just leave her, right? You're going to stay. So I, he was like, Oh, I have this call at one. And I was like, you could go out to your car and make the call. I have work to do. Cause I brought my work laptop and he's like, no, no, I'll, I'll, I'll reschedule. And I was like, please don't fucking reschedule. <laughs> I'm telling you, go to your fucking car right now. Just honestly, yeah. And then there were like the people across the emergency, like the hallway, there were these, there was this, I felt bad, like a a girl probably about my age and like her sister, her cousin or her friend. And they were like FaceTiming, but they literally, Rebecca, were FaceTiming. I got there on Wednesday at one o'clock. They FaceTimed until about 3 a.m., she slept. We're back at it again at 7 a.m. And I was like, and it was literally, it wasn't even like, imagine like you're on your deathbed. These are your last words to be spoken. You're FaceTiming as many people as you can to tell them you love them, you know? Mm-hmm. It was, she was asking like people to like defrost chicken and talking about different types of pancake. So and she was like, well, there's silver dollar pancakes and then there's short stack pancakes. And then she was like, yeah, take out the Ziploc and defrost the chicken. I'm like, you had to do this now at full volume. Like, can you put some AirPods in or something? I don't need to see. It was awful. Anyways, so yeah, so we're sorry, but we are more than making it up for you now. Yes. So clearly in the midst of Lily going through all this crazy stuff in her life. Oh, one more thing. I promise I wore my ghoulie things. I meant to text you this. I wore my ghoulie thing sweatshirt out to buy jeans that fit me now. And um, this girl was like looking at my hoodie or my sweatshirt. She was like, oh, what's that? Is that a cartoon? I said, oh, this is me and my friend Rebecca. We have a podcast and I didn't have my bag. I couldn't give her a sticker. She's like, oh my God, really? That's so cool. And I kind of told her a little bit about it and she followed us. So a uh, shout out to Anna from the old Navy on route three. I told oh. her I'd give her a shout out. Shout out, Anna. Thank you for listening. Thanks, Anna. I didn't get any clothes there, but I, we gained a follower. So that's good. That's okay. all that matters. So with all this crazy stuff that Lily's been going through, <laughs> I would like to say that she has a guardian angel looking out <laughs> for her. And so with that being said, this week's episode is about guardian angels. And we are reading you some guardian angel experiences that we found online. So without further ado, Lily, bedpan and all, would you like to explain to us Uh your, do, do you have any guardian angel stories you'd like to share before you share your first Reddit story? Um, you know, I'm still just reliving my bedpan humiliation. I made it up to a room at one point and I started tripping the sensor on purpose that I got out of bed. Cause like legally, like if I'm see- like having these seizures, I'm a fall risk. If I fall on their watch, I can sue. So they put this sensor on my bed. So what I did was I started tripping it on purpose so that they eventually get frustrated and deactivate it so that I could use an actual toilet. Life hack, guys. Life hack. Gaslight your nurses into letting you use a bathroom. That's, that's my advice. Not really. Please respect healthcare workers. Anyways. No, I mean... Rebecca, what about you? That's enough of me this episode. Do you think you have any guardian angels or have you had any experiences or anything? I definitely think that everyone has a guardian angel. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that I, I feel that I have feminine guardian angels by my side. I don't know. Um, I've had a couple of readings where they have said that I've had um, female guardian angels as well as male guardian angels. Not really sure who exactly it is, but we've talked about on the podcast before where I have that weird intuition of someone telling me deer mm-hmm. and then around the corner of this really windy road that I go on, I slow down and there happened to be a deer right where I would have just sped through. Mm-hmm. So I think that, I think that our guardian angels are around us at all times. 
It's mm-hmm. just they come out more prevalent in events that we need them the most. I think I like that. that. Like I think, for example, Lily's Guardian Angels work double overtime and probably are now on a very fine pension, and they're with the Guardian Angel Union. And um, my, yeah, my Guardian Angels need a fucking break. <laughs> they absolutely get zero PTO days at this point. Um, they're currently on strike, so stay tuned. Oh no, but like I just think I think everyone has a Guardian Angel, and whether it is up for a debate though of whether a Guardian Angel is a previous loved one or family member mm-hmm. that may be watching over you or it could just be an assigned angel from whatever universe they're from. I don't, I don't know. Like, is there any theories you have on guardian angels? So I do have a theory and we talked a bit about this when we went out for drinks, which by the way, I need to download a video editor and that'll be on our Patreon. Um, we tried becoming vloggers and, um, I failed miserably, but we honestly, I thought it, I thought it was pretty fucking good. It was good, except for the abrupt ending because I forgot we were vlogging um, because that drink was strong. Anyways, um, but we had the cutest little waitress and she came over and took our order. And then 20 minutes later came over. She's like, can I take your order? And we were like, sweetie, you already did. Bless her heart. Oh, she was lit. Like you guys, she was <laughs> lit. And I'm not even <laughs> kidding. She was drunk, actually drunk. Like she yeah. what she was drinking in her smock. <laughs> she, that's why I forgot about that. That's right. But um, no, I, I have, you know, I don't know, like you said, like, I don't know if we, you know, guardian angels are previous loved ones or loved ones who passed away before you're born. I actually have this weird theory kind of about gaining guardian. Like they say everyone has a guardian angel, but like, I don't know if everyone's born with one. Like my brother, for example, <clears throat> was basically the carbon copy of my dad's grandfather who passed away. I think actually was the reason my parents wanted to have a kid. They went to visit him in the hospital and my parents were married and they went to visit um, my dad's grandfather in the hospital and they stopped by like, you know, whatever the baby award is called. And they looked at the window of the babies and they were like, okay, like, I think it's time. Right. And then pop passed away and they had my brother, but like, from the time my brother was young, he would like, you know how babies like, like grab at everything mm-hmm. or like you like put them over your shoulder to burp them and they like wave their arms because they're, you know, babies. My mom said that my brother used to con- like he would conduct in like four, four time and he wouldn't be like this, like an actual baby grabbing at nothing. He'd be like, <laughs> and this is my great grandfather who had that huge orchestra. Uh-huh. And then when he started learning how to walk, he walked looking down with his hands behind his back with his fingers folded like this, uh-huh. which was exactly how my great-grandfather walked. And, like, I don't think they ever even met. Weird. But, you know, for, like, me, you know, there weren't really any substantial losses before I passed away. and. I also have had readings where it's like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm getting this, you know, older woman. And it's like, okay, there's a few people that could be. And then, you know, I had the one psychic, you know, or the medium reading who, you know, said he was seeing like a middle-aged man. And I was like, mm, okay. Um, but it kind of brings up the question of like, can you, I don't want to say earn, but can you get a guardian angel later in life? Yeah. So... I was thinking about, you know, like, I don't, like, all the trouble I've, like, I've had, right, with my, like, health starting when I was in about fourth grade, and it's been a really long road since I was 10, 11, Mm -hmm. and it all started really when I was in fourth grade, and around that time was when my great-grandmother passed away, who was the strongest woman I knew, and sometimes I you know, I call it my great grandma strength, you know, when, you know, I'm having seizures and we don't know why I'm in the hospital a whole weekend, you know, and I come out and I'm like, yeah, let's just like listen to music and watch a movie. Like, cause I don't know where I get the strength, but I call it my great grandma strength because I think I must've gotten it from her when she passed away and she must've given it to me and must be watching over me. But, you know, she was alive when I was a child. So 
you know, obviously I'm not the final boss of heaven or, you know, anything, angels, whatever, but I feel like I have, I have people watching over me and Rebecca, I know you have people watching over you because I mean, look at all, you know, look at all you've been able to earn yourself. You know, it's not that, you know, these angels or whatever you want to call them, like just give us things, but they give us opportunities to earn what we want. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree. I think, and I think that was a good point you made of, could we attain guardian angels later on in life? And I agree because I don't think that we're just assigned one guardian angel. I mean, it could be that you have a guardian angel for a certain amount of time and Mm -hmm. they wait until you're assigned another guardian angel. Maybe that's waiting for your great grandmother or waiting for your grandmother or waiting for your aunt Mm -hmm. to pass on. And then they kind of grab the torch and then become your guardian guardian angel. Then at some point you're going to be a guardian angel for somebody else in your family, whether it's somebody that you knew for a long time or Mm -hmm. somebody that you were just there for their life for a short while. Um, There is no time frame, And I think that the concept of a guardian angel and kind of playing around with those ideas of different theories and how one has a guardian angel and who could possibly possibly be is such a beautiful thing because it could be whatever you want it to be really. Yeah. I mean, so that begs the question, Rebecca, if you had the option to know for sure, have a finite or I guess finite final answer on who your guardian angel or angels are, would you want to know? Yeah, because I don't think that that would affect, I don't think it would affect their, you know, what they're doing. I would love to. No, yeah, it wouldn't change anything. You just would know, okay, you know, like this is for sure. Like, or would it have you kind of maybe thinking a lot about it? I would want to know because I feel like once you find the root of like, like who the guardian angel is, say if it was my grandmother from my mom's side. And I could say, oh, well, that would make sense because at this point when she passed away, this happened or kind of how you were kind of putting the pieces together with, you know, your health. And then when your family member passed away and then how you Mm -hmm. kind of attained her strength from that point forward, kind of making those connections that gives validation. And I feel like that would give more evidence and would, it it would give more validation to people in the Mm -hmm. paranormal community of how, how guardian angels are assigned and how that whole process works. That's such a good point. Yeah. And it would definitely also give you the motivation, you know, like, you know, when he goes for Narnia, (laughs) you know, you could do that before you make a risky move. You could be like, you know, for grandmother or uncle Fester. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I'm mad that I can only think of the name Fester, but you know what I mean? Like, it does kind of give you that solid, you know, rock of, you know, who's watching over you. So yeah, that's a good point. Anyways. So enough of us is philosophizing a word. It's not, doesn't sound like it. Doesn't sound right. No. Um, I guess thinking without further ado, here is my story. Let's hear it. This one is called car accident slash guardian angel and i feel bad i didn't get the author of this one written down however it is on the uh paranormal subreddit so let's hear it i haven't shared this with any of my friends or family this happened eight or so years ago more than likely this isn't the correct subreddit for something of this manner and it may not truly fall into the paranormal category but i believe it to deal with spirits, energy, and something that I can't explain. I was involved in a rollover accident in which I wasn't wearing a seatbelt. To be specific, the car went over, went end over end, and it rolled twice. I was on a rural road, and it is common here for roads in these areas to have fences at the back of the ditch to keep livestock in or people out of planted fields. This happened to be a pasture with no livestock present. My automobile, a 2013 Cadillac CTS, crossed the oncoming lane, went through the ditch, through the fence on its first roll, and did some more gymnastics before coming to rest in the field about 150 from the roadway. Wow. Yeah. It landed opposite the direction of travel, thankfully, and right side up. Okay, that's good. We love landing right side up. 
Mm-hmm. Throughout this all, I remained in the seat. I remained mostly conscious, more on this later, while this was happening. I distinctly remember seeing my grandmother fly into the car. She had passed away about five years prior. She was, a deep, she was deeply devout in her faith. I can't explain why I saw this image of her, let alone how I stayed in the seat. I was left relatively unscathed by the accident. Your typical bangs and bruises from being jostled about and a minor concussion, probably. I did get a large, deep cut on my foot from wearing flip-flops when I crawled out the window. I don't believe I was knocked fully unconscious as I could feel and hear everything. I just couldn't move while in the ambulance. When arriving at the hospital, I still had my chewing tobacco in my mouth and they had called an air ambulance for me. Holy shit. Um, Their reasoning for this was because my abdomen was hard and they suspected internal bleeding. I told them I had to urinate, so they put a catheter in, and lo and behold, I just really had to pee. (laughs) Relatable! (laughs) I secretly only chose this story because we (laughs) we were both not able to use toilets. Um, So that was why my abdomen was hard. I've heard when you go fully unconscious, uh, unconscious, you lose control of your lower faculties, so this is my reasoning for remaining conscious. I'm obviously not a doctor, so this may be wrong. When I viewed the vehicle afterwards, it was obviously totaled. Snapped an axle, only one tire remained on the vehicle. The roof looked like an upside-down V. Wow. In the, yeah. In the driver's side roof, where the seat is, there was a location where a fence post had punctured the roof. This was also visible in the interior on the headlining. I estimate that the post entered near where my neck or collarbone should have been with the seatbelt engaging me into the seat. What has stuck with me all these years is how? How did I walk away basically unscathed? I know vehicles have high amounts of redundant safety built in. I know people get lucky. The fact that I saw my grandmother fly into the vehicle clear as day really stands out to me. I don't recall feeling a pressure holding me into the seat. While I do think about my grandma from time to time, I don't recall anything happening that week that had her on my mind more than normal. I don't know why her image would come to me in that manner at that time. I know brain trauma from from getting banged about can cause you to see or feel some unique things. I just don't think that all things considered, this was some haywire connections or visions that my mind created. Don't drive distracted. Don't drive recklessly. Don't drink and drive. I still believe in seatbelts and the safety they provide, but none of this is the point. I really think that someone, my grandmother, was looking out for me that day. The end. Wow. Yeah, so, I mean, I didn't hop with this one. (laughs) Yeah, that was pretty intense going into our uh, episode with that one, Lil. I'm sorry, but I mean, I think the kind of, first of all, for some reason, I feel like something about the way this is worded, like you can picture it happening. I totally could, especially the flying into the car. I could totally just picture a grandmotherly spirit just going in and kind of being that protective barrier for grandson or granddaughter. I love it. I love it when, um, you know, people can like kind of use that like sensory language and that imagery without just it all being description. So, um, a plus on that, but I also feel like it's, I feel like this person is in kind of a good mental space over what happened to, you know, it's not, I didn't deserve to survive. You know, I didn't have my seatbelt on. Why did I make it? And it's not, oh, you know, thank God I made it. Guess I don't have to wear a seatbelt. It's like, I'm thankful this happened. Still going to wear a seatbelt. I'm still going to be careful, but I'm lucky I made it. You know, so I think that also deserves something. Yeah, it was definitely, it seems to be like a wake up call that maybe you didn't realize you needed until it actually happened. Yeah, like almost like kind of like a second chance, right? Of that, you know, some people really need to, you know, either come close to what they don't want to happen or actually have it happen to realize what to do to prevent it. So, I mean, and this is also interesting how it wasn't like, well, my grand, it was the week of my grandmother's birthday. Cause of course then she's on your mind and you get scared. You know what I mean? 
Of course. Yeah. It's just being kind of just another week. And yeah, I thought about my grandmother, but not any more than usual. And here I am in this, you know, near death experience. And who do I see kind of flying? And I also like that it was flying. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like kind of gives that kind of that angel sense, right? Yes, definitely. Even though it's not like two wings, a halo and a white robe and a gold belt, you can still sense that kind of calming nature. So I think, I don't see why it wouldn't belong here. It's to me fairly evident that this would be a guardian angel, even if it's not the author's grandmother, it's somebody looking out for them. Definitely an angelic presence for sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What do you have? So my next, my first story is titled possible guardian angel question mark. And I do want to note that while I read this, some of the grammar and the way that the sentences are structured are going to be a little little off just because this person that wrote this isn't a native speaker. So the way that they wrote this, it's a little choppy, but we're going to get through it. And it's still, I mean, the words may be messed up, but the message is strong. So I love that. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. I want to share this story that happened to me around two years ago. Maybe some of you had a similar experience like me. So back then, we had an apartment on my girlfriend's parents' company premises. It's a three-story building. It's one, the company, two, the parents' apartment, and then three, our apartment. So we came back home from a late-night shopping trip around 1 a.m. We went up to the gate. Around that time, they only had a few cameras on the front of the terrain, and and light sensors on the buildings and the front gate. But don't worry, they increased everything after this story. Ha ha. (laughs) It heard noises from the bushes next to the gate, but inside the company premises. The light sensor next to the gate went on, but we saw nobody. A few seconds later, a second sensor was triggered a few meters next to the other sensor. This one was the next to the company building on the car wash building that they have there for big caravans. So we called her mom so she can check the CCTV footage, but she also saw nothing and the alarm wasn't triggered. We were 100% sure there was somebody, so we deactivated the alarm system and opened the gate and walked in. Her mother was on the balcony talking down to us. While my girlfriend and her mother were talking, I went to the car wash building to check if there was somebody hiding in there. Because the car wash had no extra gateway, it was open all day. So I was still checking the first car a building, but saw nothing. I checked every small corner in it. And as I was almost done checking it, another sensor went on a few meters next to me on the second car wash entrance. I went up there and looked into it, but again, I saw nothing. I went inside to also check every corner. And as I walked up to the last possible spot to check in there, I heard my girlfriend yelling my name. I quickly rushed to her because I thought they saw somebody. But when I got to her, she said she didn't call my name. I thought I might have heard wrong or whatever, so I told her mom that I saw nobody back there. She again checked the CCTV footage, turned the alarm system back on, and we went inside to go to bed and sleep, since we then thought it might have just been an animal. Um, in, at this company building, there's known to be rabbits, etc., so they could have easily just triggered the sensors. So yeah, we got ready for bed, and just as we turned off the lights, we heard her dad screaming. We rushed to the window and saw four masked guys running out of the car wash building. I was last in. And mind you, I was last in it, but I had not completely checked it. They ran towards the fence where they made a small hole in it and sped out with their black cars. We called the police super quick and they got caught five hours later after a high speed chase with the police. (laughs) They all had knives on them. We went to court and they all got long prison sentences. It was a father and son and two friends of theirs. So was the voice I thought yelled my name a guardian angel? Because I would have checked the last spot. It would have possibly turned out pretty bad for me. What do you think? Do you also have similar stories? If yes, I would love to hear them. The end. I really didn't think about when we talked about guardian angels that these would all be near-death experiences. Like, that didn't compute for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Maybe we're coming in hot this week. Yeah, it could be the seizures or something. I don't know. But, I mean, I think... What, what do you think, Rebecca? What are the odds that this would have been the last spot that this guy checked in and he heard his name being called and it was a na- it was 
clearly in someone's voice that he felt he needed to go to at that moment in time. So he ran from that situation. Yeah. There were four guys. It would have been four guys against one guy. Mind you, all all five of them had knives. Yeah. Like, I mean, do the math here. Clearly this guy would have been outnumbered and more likely than not, even though we don't want to think this way, probably could have ended up very violent and not so pretty. Yeah. He might not have made it. Clearly the guardian angel of his took on the form of his girlfriend or a loved one to make him think, oh, I have to go there. Because if he would have just heard a random voice saying his name, maybe he wouldn't have thought to go to that voice. But because it was someone he was with, it sounded familiar. It sounded comfortable for him to want to go and help them. So clearly the guardian angel was just kind of, you know, doing some like reverse psychology, some sort of psychological thing on him to make him get out of that situation. Yeah. Yeah, Either make, you know, make the noise to sound like it or make him think he heard it Mm -hmm. or it's a, you know, a Fox with really good timing because Fox, Fox calls could be literally anything. They're terrifying, but you're right. Like what are the odds of the timing of the circumstances, right? It's not just, Oh, I would have gotten, you know, robbed or anything. It's like, yeah, I might have been stabbed to death if I hadn't heard my name called. Exactly. It's a bunch of what ifs. Yeah. Oh, I hate those what ifs. They make us go crazy. Mm-hmm. All right, Lily. What is your last story? All right. So this one is actually a little shorter. Okay. Um, it's called, but I thought, you know, when I read this and then I have some, um, I have a comment, like some, uh, some comment friends that I thought were interesting on it, like in some interesting taste. So this one is called from guardian angel to scary ghost question mark. And this is by Bay Doe 9845. <laughs> B-A-E-D-O-E. That's Bay Doe. And that's how we talked in 2012, Rebecca, right? We'd text each other and be like, hey, Bay. <laughs> hey, Bay. What are you doing, though, D-O-E? Okay, so this one reads, so my 10-year-old says she has been seeing a ghost. At first, she said it was a guardian angel because it was a younger woman in a long white gown, so run, um, with a low bun. And she says she sits at the end of her sister, who's 13-year-old, uh, bed and watches her sleep. She was adamant that no one had anything to worry about, that she's just there some nights. She's told her sister about it on occasion, and of course it bothers her, so they end up sleeping together because she's scared. So my 10-year-old just stopped talking about it to not frighten her sister anymore, which first of all, that's great. Like, that's a good sister. That's definitely younger sister energy Mm -hmm. because older sibling energy is like, embellishing the story to make it more terrifying (laughs) so uh little sister squad unite anyways um so they the author continues to say but this morning she confided that once she had said hello quietly thinking her eyes were playing tricks on her and the ghost looked at her and she got a very horrible feeling that this entity didn't like her she said she likes her sister but not her Mm. said she couldn't see a nose or mouth, but that the eyes seemed almost carved from clay, statuesque. And so now, when she sees it, there's no bad feelings or ill will. And she leaves it alone and kind of tucks herself deeper into her blankets and tries to sleep. Says the entity looked at her a few times and she got a sick, scared feeling that she doesn't like her at all. She says when she falls asleep before her sister, she gets a good night's sleep and is none the wiser. She's brought this up about three times now this last month. I calmly listen, try to help her explain it away or tell it that it is not welcome, uh, hoping that if her emotions are in check, it will gradually go away instead of getting stronger. But the situation is not improving. Now I'm starting to get worried. I want to think it's just a tired brain conjuring up, conjuring this up given her age, but Now I'm more worried that she is now certain her eyes are not playing tricks on her. What do I do? I don't even know what to think. So 
this is already terrifying because you've got two sweet, innocent little girls and some kind of being that is, you know, pretending to be nice, but not really, mm-hmm. and also watching them sleep. And you think at first, oh, how sweet, like they're making sure I make it through the night, you know? No robbers or kidnappers or anything. And then the little girl, as she gets more kind of comfortable with it, it starts kind of revealing this more sinister side, right? So Best Funeral Ever 04, great name, commented, probably not an angel. Angels have billions of eyes and they're horrifying. (laughs) Do you know the history of the house? Was your older daughter adopted maybe? If she was, maybe the ghost is her biological mom. Has your daughter, the one seeing the ghost, ever been to a specialist to make sure there's nothing seriously going on anywhere? I doubt there is, but you can never be too safe. I hope the lady goes away. I know what it's like to see ghosts at a young age. Luckily, my sisters and I all grew out of it, so hopefully she does too. To be safe, burn sage and salt the windows and front door every night. Please be safe. And then there is just more of this kind of exchange. Um, and then someone else says, okay, if they have billion billions of eyes, that's something called a, and please correct my pronunciation on this, seraphim, S-E-R-P-H-I-M, who mostly dwell around the throne of God. So, yeah, so it's saying someone else recommends saying their sister had a similar problem and they did a lot of research and wound up just buying organic sage and they burned it, lighting and walking and fanning it through the room and they opened the window and they have a crucifix in every room and it seems to kind of, you know, subside. So this kind of like begs the question, First of all, is it a guardian angel or is it something more sinister posing as a guardian angel? Or hear me out here because I have a little bit more of a twisted, kind of like a twisted reaction here. What if this is all in the younger sister's imagination? Because since she's the younger sister and like the older sister's 13 and she's like maybe like getting ready to go to junior high and everything and like, now the sister is like feels like she's not getting enough attention. So now her brain to kind of draw that attention invents this angel, and then the angel doesn't get anything. So then the angel turns sinister in her mind. Mike, fucking drop. But this is a paranormal podcast, so we're going to give the benefit of the doubt and say that this is some type of a spirit, which honestly, it probably is. I like how this story isn't just the typical guardian angel, like near death experience that we were talking about in our previous two stories. Well, I mean, it's, it's not an episode of ghouly things without kind of that dark twist or, and just, just going to yeet some dark. Oh my God. I sound like I want to be a wannabe TikToker, but I do love the word yeet in all seriousness. Yeet was like vine. Yeah, no. Well, I remember this bitch empty. Yes. (laughs) That's when I started saying it. I refused to stop. Um, By the way, Rebecca, when are you going to post that falling vine on the ghoulie things? Where's the Starbucks? Oh, my gosh. Wait, do you have it by any chance? I I don't have it. I was telling my dad about it in the car the other day. He was like, you and Rebecca are so funny. I was like, have you ever seen the video of her falling? And he was like, no. I said, you've never seen Where's the Starbucks? And he was like, no. Okay. I'll find it and I'll post it on our Instagram. Follow us at... Just Bully Things Podcast. I'm pretty sure I have it in my archives on my IG story somewhere because I think I posted it because that's how you would have seen it, right? I remember when it was on your YouTube channel. <laughs> it was on YouTube? You did? Yeah, it was. You uploaded it. So it was a Vine and then you put it on like... You put it on Vine, and then for a long time, it was on, you had a YouTube channel, and it was like Rebecca Ruber falling Vine. And we're definitely hyping this up so much now that everyone's going to go watch and be like, well, it's her falling. But it's the funniest fucking thing in the world. That, that It was <laughs> funny because, like, it honestly, so, like, it was a staged fall. But the way that I felt was not the way I was supposed to fall. <laughs> and... You just have to see it, but like literally just the way, like it literally looks like such a real fall. It was a fake fall, but it it was a lot more hurtful and dramatic than it was meant to be. <laughs> like, like the trip was fake, but the 
but the landing was real. The landing was 1,000% real. I That's the best part. It's the fucking thud and your hands covering your face. And then the best was that, that was like when EOS was like starting to become super popular. So I had my EOS in my one hand and my iPhone and those shits just flew out of my hands. Like so quick. Like so bad. Oh my God, Rebecca, where's the Starbucks? It's right here. It's right back here. It was like in our recording studio. Oh, I'll, you know what? I'm not going to give it away. You just guys have to, you just have to watch it. Just, just watch it. Just go to Just Believe Things podcast on Instagram and watch it. I'll so anyways, it. yeah. The bottom, wrap up that story. It could be a ghost. It could be a demon. It could be a guardian angel. Who's to say? It could just be a Vine star that just went MIA once Vine got deleted. <laughs> R.I.P. Vine. R.I.P. Vine. We miss you very much. Okay. So my last story is titled Guardian Angel? Question mark, question mark. It starts by saying, so I am 48 years old. This happened when I was around 15 or 16 years old. A lot of the details have been lost due to the time that has passed, but I remember most of it. It was late spring around 1987 in Pinellas Park, Florida School, was almost over for the year and I was excited for the summer and endless beach days. I was working after school every day at one of the oldest ice cream shops near the beach on Gulf to Bay Boulevard. It's still there, I believe, and it is called the Daily Curl. As an aspiring musician, I had surrounded my personal life with like-minded people and would spend every waking moment playing guitar or learning guitar. One person I was playing with was quite a bit older than me. Our relationship was strictly platonic and we were great friends. She was a brilliant writer and very much into psychic phenomena, playing with Ouija boards and tarot cards. We had used the board a few times and she had given me a few readings. One Friday night, we made plans for a few friends to meet at her house and party, smoke a little weed, and play some music after I got off work. The next day was normal, school and serving ice cream to tourists and beachgoers. This was the place to stop on the way back after a long day of sun, and it was definitely a hot spring. In a start of summer, we were very busy that night. At around 9 p.m., we started to close up shop, cleaning the outside seating areas, the floors, and all that shit that goes along with shutting down an ice cream shop. My friend Monica, whom I was speaking of earlier, was tasked with picking me up after work. Around 9.15, she pulled up with her friend Lisa in the early 80s, late 70s green station wagon we called the Grocery Getter, or the Green (laughs) Beast. And it was very apparent by the sound of the exhaust that she had just shown up. I quickly made both of them some milkshakes to hold them off as I would be another 30 minutes cleaning before I could clock out. I ran the shakes out to them only to find them laying on their backs on the huge hood of the station wagon looking up at the sky. I handed them their shakes and asked them about their day and why they were on the hood of the car and not inside the car in the cold AC. Monica pointed at a quote cloud end quote in the sky, which was fairly clear and plenty of stars out. She explained that this cloud had followed them from their house in Pinellas Park all the way to Clearwater Beach. I scoffed and looked at the cloud and explained that it looked like a spotlight from one of the many clubs near that area that usually used them on the weekends to attract customers. I blew it off as I had already explained what it was and went about my business. I finished cleaning and grabbing the guitar I always carried with me in my school backpack and headed to the car, only to find them in the exact same positions. When I walked outside, I laughed that they were still telling me this cloud, which as still which was still there by the time they had uh, which was still there by the way had followed them. I once again laughed it off, and we all climbed into the car. Now, I was kind of paying attention to the cloud at this point because, well, it was still there, and at this point, I realized how close it actually was when I had time to look at it in detail. It seemed to be like 100 to 200 feet away in the northeast sky. Monica backed the car out of the parking lot and pulled to the exit of the ice cream shop and made a right on Gulf to Bay Boulevard. As we made the right and headed east towards Belcher Road, I began to suspect the cloud indeed was following us, kind of blowing it off like the moon follows you in the sky, but noticing this was different. We traveled a few miles. I believe our turn was about three to four miles up where we would be making a right and heading south on Belcher Road towards Pinellas Park. The cloud was beginning to look a lot less like a cloud and more like a mist to me. It was clearly following us. It wasn't until we made the right onto Belcher Road when it made the right turn with us and now sitting at about 75 to 100 feet from my window. 
and it followed us still. As we passed East Bay Road and approached the Olmerton, I began to freak out. It then split into four separate mists, and then they rotated each other, coming back into one piece. I freaking got out of the way. It was so intense, and the hairs of my body were standing straight up. I could feel it. I could feel this thing paying attention to me, focusing on me more specifically. I lost it. I started to scream at it. What do you want? What do you want from me? Monica was telling me to calm down. It wasn't there to hurt anyone. I honestly didn't feel like it was there to hurt anyone either, but I was still scared. And I mean, genuinely scared. After a few more miles, we made a left off Belcher onto like 94th or 82nd. I forget the turn now, but I continued to lose my shit. As we got closer to to my house, I clammed up and crawled between the front seats and the rear seats and hunkered down on the floor, sobbing like a baby. This thing made me feel. I'm not sure what that feeling was, but it was doing something to me. Not them, but to me. And I could feel like its energy was coursing through me. And I've never felt like that ever since with anything in my life. When we've arrived at Monica's house, I immediately exited the car and ran into the house. I glanced back and saw it, and it was really close, 50 feet, I would say. And as I entered the house out of breath, tears, teary-eyed and still obviously panicked, I tried to explain what was going on. And my friends immediately went towards the front door. As Monica and Lisa were walking in, they said, it's gone, Kip. It literally disappeared the second you shut the front door. It took me a while to calm down. Yeah, it took me a while to calm down. And a few beers and maybe a joint or two made me relax even more. That night, it's still stuck in the back of my mind. And soon, it was not the topic of conversation. And we partied the night away and played music till early morning. The next morning, I had to go home. I was living at my mom's house at the time in a neighborhood on the corner of Belcher and Olmerton in Lago, Florida. Monica and I had some coffee. I packed my stuff while everyone slept and she took me home. Everyone loved my mother. She passed away in 96 from cancer. She was the neighborhood mom. When we arrived at my house, Monica came in for a hang for a minute and say hello. Mom had breakfast and we sat down and had some food. Monica had brought up the night before and said, you should tell your mom what happened. So I explained what happened. She sat silently listening while tears welled up in her eyes. Now, my mom was the type of person that cried at a homeowners association mark commercial. So (laughs) this wasn't out of the ordinary, bless her heart. But when I finished, she said she had something to tell me. And this is her story. When she was little, her grandfather had died suddenly from a massive heart attack. And they were broke, living in the mountains of West Virginia. They had a small coal mine on the property that my great-grandfather would mine and sell the coal at the bottom of the hill to the coal company or to other residents that needed coal for heat. When he passed, they had nothing. They knew, though, that he was a penny pincher and saved every dime. He had money somewhere. They just didn't know where. And they were starving, living off beans and greens from the modest plot of land they farmed. One night, a couple of weeks after he passed, they were all sitting by the fire and talking. She explained that it was late and there was a knock on the door. During these times, if there was an announced visit, an unannounced visit, something was wrong. My great-grandmother told the kids to go upstairs and stay there. My mother, being the curious one and the oldest, hid at the bottom of the stairs and watched. And this is what she said. When her granny opened the door, there was a cloud. It sat there, and she calmly asked what it wanted. She followed the cloud outside. As she did, my mother went to the window to watch. She said the cloud went to a tree and simply vanished. Granny walked back to the house and didn't say a word. The next day, she woke my mother up early to help, told her to go to the shed and grab a shovel. They both walked to the tree, and Granny started digging. About a foot down, she hit something metal. And they kept digging, pulling about four coffee cans out of the soil. They opened the cans one by one, and there was my great-grandfather's life savings. The whole time she was telling me the story, the same feeling I had the night before had returned. She told me that it was her grandfather watching out for them, and that this cloud was my great-grandfather watching out for me and letting us know he's still there. Now, I don't know if that's a fact, but it sure does make sense. Anyway, that's my story. I've never seen the cloud or mist again, but I have a feeling before my time is over on this earth, I'll see it once again. The end. That makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah. That, that story is was like so sweet. 
Uh huh. I'm so glad we ended on that story because I that was so beautifully written, and I'm just so happy how that story turned. So I was kind of nervous at first. Yeah. Well, when he started yelling, "What do you want from me?" and he or she, she was like the only one kind of feeling it, you know, when everyone else was fine, I was like, "Oh shit, this isn't going to end well." And then it was just like a cute little. Oh God, I'm like. I'm not emotional. You are. That's all. That's all I have to say. Yeah. That's crazy that the mother had experience like that when she was younger. And that the fact that her mother went and followed this mist and ended up finding the money that was hidden for them. That they like literally needed to survive. I'm like, oh gosh, you know, have you ever seen the movie Big Fish? Mm -hmm. You know how you feel at the end of Big Fish? Did you ever watch the Broadway play, the Broadway show? Dude, I saw it and I was a mess. Literally, n- I never cry at stuff, let, like, let alone like shows. Yeah. I lost my shit. Oh my God. When the, the dad's bills come out on the stage and then they have the, the fucking, the, what, what do they call it now? Well, it's a screen, the psych in the back, that's all dad's <laughs> Oh my gosh. I lost my shit at the end of that play. It was so good. The, the musical. Oh my God. I wish that would have been on Broadway longer. Honestly, I, they were selling like big fish themed daffodils, like fake daffodils. And my grandmother. So I was with my grandma. I think my aunt Judy too, who um, passed away a few years ago, but we would always go with the two of them, my grandma and her sister. And it was, was like me and my cousin. Mm-hmm. And my grandma is also very, she's not like, she's not cheap, but like she spends her money very wisely mm-hmm. unless she's at home goods. So she'll, so like, I was like, grandma, they're selling the daffodils. And she was like, we can go to the dollar general and get you 12, you know, 12 bundles of the thing. But she like said it to the person who was selling it instead of to me. And so that's the story of the time I got humiliated at Big Fish the musical after, because I had already had tears streaming down my face. Fun fact. Your family just loves to humiliate you, and I'm here for it. I think I'm just easily humiliated. Like, but anyways, no, that's how I'm feeling with this story. Like, it's got me, like, in my feelings, and, like, it's so, like, it's not wholesome in, like, puppies and rainbows and fields and frolicking, but it's wholesome in that, like, it kind of shows that, like, as cheesy as it sounds, like, family's forever, you know? And I was, I was talking, um talking with my mom about it a couple days ago about how like you know you can't really choose your family you know and you're mm-hmm. not like you're stuck with them but like that that's your family and that's something you can't change and you know once someone's there for you once it doesn't go away and I wonder if you know this the author of the story who was like trying to pursue a career in music like this was kind of like the stamp of approval of yes you know you're doing this you know I don't I, I don't know but it's sweet, and I love that we ended on this note because it's a positive one. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. So I mean, on that, what more could you ask for? Yeah. On that note, Lily, do you have anything to say before we shout out our socials? Um, I mean, not now. I mean, just be aware, guys, like, don't be surprised if Rebecca takes over the podcast because I'm just like on an incubator for no reason. Like, let's just. Lily, if you have to go back to the hospital, we are literally doing an IG live of you at the hospital and <laughs> you're reading stories from hospital bed. Room Rebecca, whatever. What would you do? What would your reaction be if I FaceTimed you from like an iron lung? Like I was just in a giant iron lung. Like what would your reaction be? Okay. So, like, pretend to call me. What did you do this time? (laughs) That's literally what I would do. What did you do this time? How did you end up in this situation? My face would be completely straight. You should have heard me complaining to my parents. I was like, I do nothing. I was having these... and. They also said one of the cause of these seizures could be stress. And I'm like, then why are you making this so stressful for me and not letting me use a bathroom and not letting me go on my phone? Like, that's just going to give me more seizures if you think they're caused by stress. But I was like saying, 
I think too loudly. I was like, I did everything right. I never did drugs. I never, you know, I only drink socially. I've never hurt anyone. I've never done anything wrong. Who the hell are these people to tell me I'm sick? And then <laughs> my dad was like, well, you need to be quiet because, <laughs> because everyone can hear you. And then I saw a nurse carry away from like two, like when I was, in, this was when I was in the emergency department, like two, like stations down, mm-hmm. just like a giant thing of like little bottles of alcohol. And I was like, I should not have said that. Because <laughs> now, and now I'm just digging a deeper hole. <laughs> but you know what I mean? I was like, I was like, I've never, like, we all have that one night where you go to Pearl River and you just got dumped and you drink too much and you wake up in the Valley Memorial Hospital, right? That's the one, right? Yes. In Bergen County, right? Oh, oh, Pascag Valley. Pascag Valley. Yeah, right? But let me tell you, Rebecca, the music festivals I've been to, do you know how many people I've seen just like putting what I think is like emergency in their drink and then they're hallucinating? Not me. Never me. Mm-hmm. And I'm the one with the fucking seizures that can't be explained. How about fucking Tammy over there who's drenched in glitter, snorting coke while on LSD, MDMA, DMT, and LSD. Did I say LSD yet? Throw another one in there. Why Honestly, me? fuck it. Just put the whole alphabet in her drink. <laughs> fuck it. <At> the, <laughs> I was just like, so yeah, anyways, um, if you ever see, you know, that we don't post, it's not that we hate you. It's that I'm in the ICU for probably what started out as me stubbing my toe. <laughs> Precisely. So don't and ask Rebecca's, questions. But Rebecca's doing great. Rebecca's doing great. Her wedding is underway. So I'm thriving. Um, I'm thriving for both of us. <laughs> we're both doing amazing. I found uh, Bagel Boy on a dating app. So that's great. Promising. And then hopefully Lily won't have to go to any more hospital visits before my engagement party. So progress. We'll see. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Let's shut up. Let's shout out our socials before we dig ourselves into a deeper hole. Are um, you going to cut out my rambling about the alcoholism? Because it sounds absolutely. like I'm bashing alcohol. Absolutely. I didn't mean it like that. I just really like am so frustrated because I'm making all these good choices. I'm like, I'm going to eat less carbs. I'm going to eat. I'm going to eat more vegetables. And instead of chips at before dinner, I'm going to have a salad. And then two days later, I'm in the hospital. And it's like, sounds sus. I treat my body better and I have seizures, but okay. Weird flex, but okay. Yeah. All right. Follow us on Instagram at Just Coolie Things Podcast. Our personal Instagrams at Rebecca Ruber and. Okay, quick PSA. My Instagram is Lily Baldessari, my name, but I made it private and I took the podcast out of the bio because of my job training and I didn't want anyone to find it and find me. So. Oh, okay. But it's me. It's really me. It's really me. If you think it's me, it's me. Follow us on Twitter at JGT Podcast. Facebook like page. Just Blue Things Podcast. Facebook private group. Just Blue Things Podcast group. Donate to that Patreon. Just Blue Things Podcast. That has exclusive content like me and Rebecca on our girls night out. And I just might post one of my one of my uh, facial tick seizure videos. So uh, look out for that. Exclusive. And buy our merch at tpublic.com. Search Just Ghouly Things or rebeccaruber.com slash shop. You can get stuff for all of her podcasts. And if you or someone you know has a paranormal experience you'd like to share on our show, feel free to email us at justghoulythingspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, Boo Thangs. And we will talk to Boo next week. Goodbye. Alex Knight, the world's foremost authority on Bigfoot research, heads to Canada to investigate a profoundly incredible Bigfoot encounter. His daughter, Sydney, eagerly joins the expedition. Accompanied by reluctant Toronto television hostess Amira Ali, Sid and her father's team adventure north in pursuit of the legendary Sasquatch. Prophecy from a forgotten Algonquin tribe and a mystical calling deeply connects Sydney to the creature. 
The revelation of unknown truths ensures that Sydney will never see the forest or herself the same again. Get your copy of James Allen Ross's Spirit of the Woods, the story of a young woman's encounter with Bigfoot, now for the price of $9.99 paperback and $0.99 on Kindle. Available on Amazon now.